Can you believe that? It is coming fast, and it's going to be super fun. Uh, we're going to have five services. On the 23rd, we'll have two, and on the 24th, we'll have three. It'll be 5 and 6.30 on Friday night, the, the 23rd, and then on Saturday, we'll do 3.30, 5, and 6.30. Live animals, live nativity out in the parking lot, party time. It is going to be uh, lots of fun for kids, activities, all kinds of awesome moments, special, special time of year, special time to be inviting. That's really my ask to you in that. Why do we do five services? Because there are so many people that you know that need the peace of God in their life. I don't know them, only you know them. And so it's your opportunity to go, hey, I'm going to invite, I'm going to bring them with me. Um, maybe if, if Christmas Eve doesn't work, maybe Christmas Eve Eve works. So figure it out. Fill these services. I believe God's going to use you. It's going to be a powerful time, and I'm excited to see what God does through it. We might have a few of these Advent devotionals left out there in the lobby. Um, if not, ask James. He'll figure it out for you. <laughs> we'll get you a digital copy or something. He's just like, thanks. Thanks, Richie. Uh, no, him and Grayson put this together and did such a good job putting it together. I'm super thankful for them, and so uh, really excited for that. Let's look to God's Word. Sound good? Take a breath, Richie, let's do this, all right? Uh, I haven't preached for two weeks, so I'm like all about it. I've got like three weeks of preaching inside me. I got to get out today. Um, look to uh, Luke chapter 2, if you would, with me today. Uh, Luke is one of the gospel stories in the New Testament. If you need to look it up, table of contents. I'm just going to read a couple verses out here to set the stage today. Luke chapter 2. This is the Christmas story. This season is a season where God declared something all over all humanity. He declared peace, peace on earth. Look at verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, these are angels, they appeared with this original angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth, goodwill toward all men, maybe you've heard it say. That word peace is a powerful word. In the Greek, it is a, a word called arene. And that Greek word actually is attributed also to a, a Hebrew word in the Old Testament called shalom. This is a powerful picture of what God intended and brought through his son, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I preached my guts out all last two services, and so it's uh, you get the raw today, okay? You ready? Uh, peace is this powerful word. It's, it's this word shalom, arene. It's this idea that's so much greater than just, I don't know what you think about peace, but it's easy to think about peace like tranquility or, or, or just kind of a, a sense of calmness or, or nothing. Thanks, bro. Uh, it's it's a, maybe a sense of like, oh, things aren't bad, so it's peaceful right now. And, and, man, the word that God gives us here is powerful. Jesus' arrival on earth marked God's restoration. The word shalom actually means whole, complete. What's been broken, what's been torn down, what's been dismantled, what's been stolen, taken from you, Jesus came to make complete. Jesus came to make whole. Jesus came to make you complete, you whole, your purpose, your identity, your family, your calling. He came to restore all those things that have been taken away from you and stolen in your life. Jesus came to make them complete, whole. This idea of shalom, of peace, so much bigger than just like, 
oh, you know, it's not fighting right now. It's a massive picture that Jesus came to bring. This conversation for me uh, has to affect every area of our life. And I believe that God wants to show us how peace can affect you in the middle of this crazy, hectic Christmas season. So I want to pray. I just want to ask God to speak to us as we go, okay, God, what does this peace look like in my life today? Would you just bow with me and just just pray with me and just ask God to be here with us in this time? Jesus, we look to you now. You are our peace. You are the restorer of all that was broken and lost. You are the healer. You are the completer of everything that's been taken down and dismantled, God. You are the one that finishes all things that are unfinished, all things that are not right, you make right, complete and whole, God. And I just think of every soul in this room, God, that's struggling, feeling incomplete, lacking, insecure, wondering. God, that you would meet each of us right where we are today. That your peace would come in a powerful way that your completeness and your restoration, God, would just meet us here, that you would just pour out your peace in a tangible way right now, God. We're asking you. May your word come alive. Would your spirit be here powerfully? Would you give us ears to hear what you want to say, Jesus? We love you. We trust you. In your name, amen. One of the places that Jesus wants to put back together in your life is your purpose. The enemy is always working to steal your purpose, get you feeling insignificant. This time of year always stirs these feelings up in our lives, like, oh, was it a good year? Did I do a good job? Are my, is my family the way it should be? Is my finances the way it should be? Am I, am, are things, like, significant? Is my life mattering? Am I making a difference, or am I just kind of showing up? And just going through the motions and maybe you wrestle with that a little bit, like feeling like I'm not doing what I should be or my life isn't what amounting to what I thought it would amount to. And that lack of significance, that lack of meaning, the enemy loves to prey on this in your heart. And I think this time of year, it's a nostalgic time of year. It's a time of year with a lot of expectations. There's maybe a, a picture painted in your head of magical Christmas, what it's supposed to be like. Maybe what your marriage should be like, what your kids should be like, what your money should be like, what your job should be like. And, and if we're not careful, these expectations that, that are being preached at us all the time have a tendency to kind of rule our hearts and our emotions. These questions of, do I have meaning in my life? Am I, am I significant? Am I doing it right? Tend to creep up and get us kind of feeling like we're lacking, like we're insecure. And insecurity always brings out the worst of us, doesn't it? Like striving, straining, like, and then get controlling with people, and we're mean, and we're like, ah, like, like I don't, I don't like my life, and so you're not gonna like your life either, you know? Like this, just kind of like compounding effect that that man. I think God wants to speak into today. Much of my life, I was thinking early on when God really was getting a hold of my heart, I, I was struggling with this idea of purpose for massive massive time in my life. And it was interesting because it wasn't like I didn't have direction. 
A lot of times it feels like, well, if I know where I'm going, then I'll, I'll have a real sense of significance and purpose. But I, I knew exactly where I was going, the things I was going to do, the life kind of plans I had laid out, and, and, and all the things were set up and the path was laid out. And, and yet at the same time, there was this nagging feeling in the back of my heart and my mind like, maybe this isn't it. But oh, well, just like keep going, you know, just keep pressing on and, and, and it's going to be fine. And all the while, it just kind of kept, this nagging kept growing in my heart. Like, maybe there is more to this life than just the plans that I can make for myself and the purpose that I can kind of drum up for myself and the amount of money and the amount of success and all the things that I'm dreaming of and trying to figure out. Maybe more is supposed to be with this life, but I would kind of push those feelings aside and just, just get on with it because that's what everybody else is doing. And it led me to a real honest conversation with God one time where I I just said, okay, God, this is the plan and the purpose of my life. This is the way things are going to go. And how are you going to use me in this way, God? And he goes, I'm not. And I was like, not what I was hoping to hear, God. In fact, like, aren't prayer times supposed to be encouraging, God? Like, this is... This is not going the way I thought it would go. And, and what was so powerful about that moment is that all these things that I was kind of banking on uh, as my purpose, as my meaning, as my significance, it was like God was just pulling this giant rug out from underneath me. And it felt like mean at the time, honestly. God, how could you? But really it was his grace to get me to the end of my striving and my straining and my significance seeking the way I thought this life was going to be important and get me to a place of humility and submission to him. To where I would ask finally an honest question. Okay, God, well then, how do you want to use this life? Instead of all the strings attached and all the plans associated with it, God, this life is yours. How do you want to use it? And it was in that moment God finally called me to pastor people and pastor pastors and that that calling began to dictate the steps I would take in this life. Did I know exactly how that was going to play out? Absolutely not. I never knew I was going to plant a church. We were going to ever do any of this stuff. But, but step by step, God just began to unfold. But it started in that place of absolute surrender. And I think for many of us, our purpose-seeking has got us lacking a lot of peace. Trying to find significance in this life. We're kind of in this this thing together a little bit where we're going, all right, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to be about and what my life is supposed to be and where my purpose is. Am I really making a difference? Does my life really matter? So I don't think you have to struggle with that or feel that way. I think that God can speak into you the peace that Jesus was bringing on this day that Christmas morning when, when peace was coming to earth, I believe that peace was intended to shape your purpose as well. See, as a part of the kingdom of God, we understand that, and maybe this is new to you, so don't hear me assuming that you are a part of the kingdom of God. But people that are a part of the kingdom of God have surrendered their lives to Jesus and now become a child of God. See, see when The peace that Jesus was bringing here in the Christmas story was actually peace between mankind and God. Mankind was separated from God from our sinfulness because of our sinfulness. That shame and guilt and condemnation of our rebellious attitude towards God led us to be separated from God. God wanted to make that whole and complete, that shalom. He wanted to bring peace to that disconnect between us and God. And so he sends Jesus as a savior 
to, to willingly take our sin and our punishment on himself so that in turn we could become the righteousness of God. The Bible says he who knew no sin actually became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We could actually be made whole or right or complete at peace, shalom with God. This is the peace that Jesus came to bring. And as a, as a part of the kingdom, when we surrender to that, right there, that good news of Jesus Christ, now, now we recognize, no, I'm a child of God. I've been adopted into a new family. I have a new set of values, a new priority, a new way of living, a new way of going about this life. I'm not, I'm not just doing it the way everyone else does it. I'm going the way Jesus goes. I'm called by God. I'm anointed by God for the purpose of God. See, this is, this is something that I want us to work from today. They go, oh, I can rest in a purpose that I'm not making for myself. You don't have to spend your life trying to find purpose and significance. I want to set you free from that today. That you can actually rest in the purpose of God that he has declared on your life. You don't have to move locations. You don't got to change jobs. Right where you are is exactly where God wants you. And right where you are, you have the opportunity to live the purpose of God. You don't got to kind of, I don't know, Monday mornings, if I'm ever angsty on a Monday, do you have angsty Monday mornings? I do. And I like clean my office, like everything's got to get, like like sometimes we do that when we feel this like, am I meaning anything? I'm going to. Life's going to be different this week, you know? It's like this white knuckle, change everything type of a feeling. And it's just like, whoo, take a breath. God has you right where he has you for a reason. Everywhere you are, school, work, neighborhood, family gatherings, everywhere you go, there's people there. And as, as a child of God, you recognize in the kingdom of God, I am called to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. My purpose is to love him and to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. It's that simple. Jesus' people keep it really simple. (laughs) They keep it about Jesus and people. We don't overcomplicate things. We don't allow the, the burdens of this world and this life to confuse and clutter our hearts and our minds. We just cut through all of that clutter and go, wait a second. My purpose is different than what this planet is preaching at me. This whole thing is fading away, right? Everything about this world is, is falling apart and going away. But your soul and your eternity is being secured in Jesus Christ. And you and I have a purpose greater than this planet. It is an eternal purpose. And that is human beings, souls that you are in relationship with. Those are the purpose of God. Those people matter to God. Those people do not have peace with God. And God has put you there to bring peace into their life. Think about this. What you have received, God wants to get through you into them. Like this faith, like this good news, I share the good news of Jesus Christ, that God came to save you from your sin. This good news is for all mankind. Peace on earth. Not just in Spokane, in your world and in your life, but peace and and on earth and all mankind. Where his favor rests, that's where God's peace 
wants to reside. That's where peace, God's peace wants to come and bring. And you and I go, oh, I'm a child of God. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I'm called to love God. I'm called to love people. I have a purpose. I don't got to go find it. I can just rest. Matthew 5, 9 is so clear. Jesus is like, blessed. You want to know who's blessed? Blessed are the peacemakers. What will they be called? Children of God. The ones that are adopted into the family of God, those are the ones that live like Jesus lived. What did Jesus come to bring? Peace. And when you and I take on the mantle of, of calling and anointing of responsibility of like the peace of God, the, the rescue and the restoration, the completeness, the shalom that Jesus came to bring is the same completeness that he wants to get through me and to people around me. People all around us are desperate for this kind of life, for this shalom, to be right with God, to be complete in their purpose, to have their identity secure. They, they are desperate to know the peace of God. And guess what? You and I are called as children of God to be these peacemakers. Like you don't, you don't got to go like struggle your way through this Christmas season wondering if your life is significant or not. All you got to do is look around you. Go, oh, there's people there. Yes. Those are the people that God is inviting us to become a peacemaker. But every relationship we have, we are being invited to become a peacemaker. The, the way that Jesus lived his life on this planet is an invitation for us to imitate him. Everything he was doing was all about getting people back into right relationship with God, bringing peace to their hearts, peace to their identity, peace to their mind, peace to their family, peace, completeness, wholeness. You and I have that same invitation. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And I love this. Like, this just kind of keeps it simple, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I think I can, I can wrap my heart around that, that I don't have to tangle my life up with small earthly pursuits like make more money, have the perfect family gathering, right? Like I don't, I, I don't got to get all like wrapped up in those things. Are those things fun? Yeah, make money, yes. Uh, be successful at work, yes. Get a good degree, yes. Go those, all those things. Those are all part of being a part of this world, but eternally, oh, there's people all around me. And as I'm going through this life, as I'm being at work, as I'm doing these things with my kids, all of those are opportunities for us to live in the purpose of God for our lives, to become these peacemakers. You're at school, you're in your neighborhood, you're at the really awkward family gathering that you're like, what am I doing here? Those are all those moments. They're really small. They're not these massive like church service moments. They're really small. I think that this is how practical this conversation is for us today. In fact, James chapter 3 is where it gets super practical. If you've got your Bible, you can turn over to James 3. We'll spend the rest of our time here today. Uh, James is so practical in how he writes to the church in the first century. He says in, in chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, you need to ask God for it. Because God loves to give wisdom. He doesn't like judge you and go, oh, you're not worthy of wisdom. He just pours it out generously, James 1 says. Well, here in James 3, he's like, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, like if you're going, how do I be a peacemaker? How do I live this way, Richie? How do I not get tangled up in all of this? James chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. 
then peace loving. I love this. Like if God's moving in your heart, there is a change of heart that's going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to start to love peace. And I'm going to start to love bringing peace to people and relationships that I'm in. This peacemaker, this person is is considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. You're called to be a peacemaker. That as you and I receive this peace in our life, in our relationship with God, this peace is something that God invites us to bring to every relationship that we have around us. You don't got to look for purpose. Here it is right in front of us. These people, these relationships. So, so look at this picture in James 3 with me for a minute. There's kind of a metaphor at the end, peacemakers who sow. There's like a farming metaphor here, right, that you're putting in the ground a seed of peace. Those, those peacemakers who sow this seed of peace in the relationships and the people around them are actually going to reap a harvest of righteousness. Farmers are content with seasons. They know there's seasons for planting, watering, growing, sunlight. And then there's eventually a season of harvest. Here's our problem. Most of the time is we put it in the ground and expect a harvest now. But a peacemaker is like a farmer. They recognize, oh, it's going to take a lot of little bits for peace to actually be brought in people's lives and hearts. It's going to take a kind of a long-haul view of this life and these moments and these encounters with people that there's going to be something supernatural and transformational. When you think about a plant growing from a seed to, to fruit, man, that's a miracle. That it goes from that tiny little thing to like, like you're eating it, right? Like that, that whole process, that's God at work. And that's the same way this, this goes in our lives. As a peacemaker, it is a process of sowing little seeds of peace everywhere you go. James kind of outlines how, to, how do you do that. One of the things that stands out in this passage to me is he says, peacemakers are considerate. Think of the word considerate. Considering others. So when you go to work, when you go interact with that boss or that person or that, that school friend, that, that, that people that you, your, your spouse, the kids in your, in your family, in your home, when you go to interact with that person, there's a call here, like, like a peacemaker understands that there's other people involved here and that, that this life doesn't just revolve around me and my priorities and my agenda, that I actually have to pay attention to what's going on in their life. What's going on in their world, how they are, that I would see others ahead of myself, that I actually prefer others ahead of myself. See, what happens when you and I struggle with significance and purpose is we get self-consumed. What's in it for me and is my life meaningful? Am I doing it right? Am I, am I working? Is, is, is it enough? Is, is the people around? Like what, what's happening is you're getting consumed with yourself. The enemy is so tricky this way. He gets you insecure and gets you second-guessing everything about you. And guess what? The people around you no longer matter. All that matters is what you want to do and what you're trying to figure out. To be considerate is to be mindful of others. Does this sound like elementary school? Like, but this is how powerful it is. Is that you would just go, oh, why am I making it all about me all the time? That I would put myself in their shoes. How do they feel? Are they okay? What do they need? How can I make their life, like, 
Can this be a place that's warm and welcoming? And can they feel like maybe I'm somebody safe that, that, that they could talk to about things going on in their life? And am I somebody that they could trust to like pray with them or walk with them or help them? Or maybe it won't start like that. It'll, it'll just be a small seed of consideration like, hey, how are you doing today? How's, how's your week? How are the holidays for you? It might just be a tiny seed, but eventually it's going to start to grow and it's going to start to produce this harvest of righteousness where, like, like questions get answered and things start to happen and lives start to be changed around you. But it starts tiny. Every time that you are considerate of someone around you, you are sowing peace. You're a peacemaker. I know it sounds simple, but this is really the call and the purpose that God has given us. He also says, not only are they considerate, but they're also submissive. Favorite word in American culture right here, right? Probably least popular idea. Because we are a people that have demands and rights and privilege and expectations of how life needs to go. People need to be. Family gatherings, types of meals, uh, kinds of gifts. You're not fun to give gifts to if you have a list of how it should go, right? Like, like we have these expectations in our hearts and, and, and we just kind of put it on everybody around us and then we start to make demands and, and, and pretty soon we've got this kind of just like edge about us everywhere we go, demanding of our rights and our privileges. Man, that is how the world is. But peacemakers are different. They realize that, you know what? I can sacrifice my rights my privilege, because there's something greater going on here than just me and my agenda. This is the essence of submission. Jesus is the picture of this. Though being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be held onto, but willingly gave up his rights as God to come here to earth as one of us, and walk amongst us. Think of the vulnerability of Jesus at Christmas. A baby born into the world. All the things that could have gone wrong in a pregnancy in the first century without any of the medical kind of craziness that we have now. All the stuff that could have happened to him in the early years of of, of being a toddler, running around in the streets of, of Bethlehem. All the things that could have, he was so vulnerable. He gave it all up. Everything that he was entitled to he was submitted to the Father's plan. So if you ever have a hard time submitting, Jesus becomes our model again. Think about submissive as an attitude, as a way of relationship with other people. When we are not submissive, we are constantly demanding. People got to bend to our wishes. People got to go our way or the highway. And many of us have lived this way for a long time and even justified it. And glorified it. We made it our right. We made it our privilege. That's not the way of Jesus. And I look at him as a model and I go, oh man, how much peace would be sown if we learned submissiveness? I think in your marriage. How easy it is to make submission about whether or not they deserve to be submitted to. And here's... The reality, I love what Paul says in Ephesians 5, 21. He says, he says that you, you should be s- submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. Think of this. 
Not because they deserve to be submitted to, but because Jesus modeled it and asked us to. It has nothing to do with whether or not they deserve to be submitted to. But think about how much marriage turmoil would just melt away if peacemakers would decide to be submissive. Men and women, that we would equally, we would go, hey, we need to submit one to another in this marriage for us to really understand what it looks like to be peacemakers in this marriage. See, when, when, when you and I just begin to take on this wisdom from heaven, relationships change. People change. You still with me? You hate the submissive conversation, don't you? Okay. I'm moving on. Richie, this is supposed to be a Christmas message. Knock it off, okay? The other thing that he says there that's so powerful is he says, full of mercy. Look at that. Peacemakers. First of all, it's pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy. This is James chapter 3. Not kind of have a little bit of mercy, but all the way full. That as a peacemaker, you recognize there's going to be lots of opportunities in life to be offended. There's lots of reasons that, that I should be angry at people and, and, and hate people. And um, mercy is this. It's, it's not giving someone something they deserve. It's not giving them what they deserve. When they've hurt you, it's not giving them hurt back. When they've offended you, it's not holding bitterness against them. Mercy is what God has given us. Because what we deserve is death and the wrath of God. But God chose mercy through his son, Jesus Christ, to say, you know what? The payment of my son on that cross is going to be payment for their sin. He chose to allow the substitution of his son on our behalf. Mercy is what we have received over and over and over in our lives. Who are we that we would make these demands of payment from people around us? He said, if you're going to be a peacemaker, if you're going to sow seeds of peace, you've got to learn to be full of mercy, choosing not to give someone what they deserve. When you're sinned against, when you're offended, choosing not to hold something against someone. Man, I'm so easily offended sometimes. I like, I get my feelings hurt all the time. I don't know if you're like me. Then my attitude's kind of bad for a while and then I get over it eventually. You know, like, full of mercy. Probably one of the greatest practices in being full of mercy is learning to overlook offenses. It's really simple, but really hard to do. Proverbs said, it is to the glory of a king to search a matter out, but is to the glory of God to overlook an offense. Think about this. Why do you have to be right? It's about your glory. It's to the glory of a king to search a matter out and figure it out and make sure it's all squared away and everything's fair and same and the way it's supposed to be. That's to your own glory. But it's to the glory of God to overlook an offense. God, you're good. You're in control. You're going to take care of whatever you need to take care of in their life and in my life. God, I'm trusting you for the outcomes. I'm not going to try to control this person or the way things are going to be. I'm not going to stir the pot just to get things the way I think. That. No, God, you're in control. Overlooking that offense. It's to be full of mercy. The last thing I would say is this in this passage, James 3. Consider it submissive, full of mercy. He says impartial. I love this word because it's so practical. When we walk into work tomorrow, we're in relationship with people in our family, 
A lot of them you got history with. And as history goes on, we have a tendency to kind of write a script and a story and the way things go. And we kind of attach our assumptions and our attitudes to those stories. And an impartial person, though, sees themselves and every person they interact with with kind of like a blank story. I wonder how this is going to go. Not with a predetermined outcome and the way you think it's going to play out and kind of all the criticism and the judgment that surrounds the way you know they are and how it always goes. But a peacemaker understands, you know what? If peace is going to be brought to this relationship, we got to, we got to start from scratch somewhere. So I'm going to do the work of my own heart to be impartial. I'm going to do the work of my own heart to say, you know what? I, I, I have a responsibility to bring shalom, like peace to this relationship not allow myself to get caught up in how things have always been, but to be impartial as I walk into this relationship. That's what I love. And you see this, these are just two verses out of thousands of verses in Scripture. But you can't help but see that the story of God is a story of peace. And the story of God's people is peace. That you and I are called to be peacemakers. This isn't some distant, far-off idea. This isn't some kind of nice side spiritual conversations. This is the essence of our purpose. The essence of what makes this life significant is you and I learning to live at peace with everybody, learning to bring peace into the relationships that God has given us. This isn't over there a peripheral thing. This is core to who we are. Last week, Devin did such a good job preaching about our identity, core to who we are, your purpose, the center of who you are, why you do what you do. That's this conversation. We are peacemakers. Peace is our story. Peace is our calling. And I would say peace is our purpose for life. To bring peace to every relationship, every person we walk with in this life, to sow these seeds of peace. We don't know when the harvest of righteousness is gonna come, how it's gonna look. That's not our responsibility. We're called to sow these seeds of peace. In fact, today, I just wanna just give you a minute here. Just allow this purpose to settle in your soul today. Maybe you just close your eyes with me for a moment. I'm just gonna have a sit here in a place of silence. If you would, just be quiet with me. These guys are going to be quiet and I just want to just allow the peace of God to just settle in your heart. The purpose of God to settle in your soul. Just let it wash over you right now.
Jesus, we just rest today in the peace that you bring to each of our hearts. The peace that you made between us and God. The peace that's in our purpose, God. Thank you for meeting us where we are today. That you don't demand that we be somewhere we're not, that you just come right where we are. love is here. Your grace is here, God. We just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand to your feet with me today, real life? I'd love to just invite us today to a place of response. Is God is speaking to you about your purpose. That you would heed that call. These guys are going to lead us in a song here in a moment. That's going to be an opportunity for you just to settle your, your heart and the purpose of God. Maybe there's people in your life that you're thinking about, you're like, I have not been a peacemaker. Maybe you need to begin to pray for them as we're singing. Some of you don't have peace with God yet. He's inviting you today to come to him. That first step is being baptized. That's why we celebrated a few minutes ago. We'd love to celebrate with you today. Our team would love to meet you in the back. If you're ready to take that step today, we'll pray with you got everything you need to take that step today. Let's sing, let's respond. Let's allow the peace of God to just cover our hearts today. Come